I'm Julie Potowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Occupancy podcast. I'm Julie Potowitz, and today I welcome David Kiefer, Vice President of Sales of New Perspective Living. Hey, David. Hello, Julie. I, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you. I am very excited to talk to you. True confession, true confession. This is take two. David was amazing. Our last podcast chat and uh, due to technical difficulties, I asked him back and he's kind enough to repeat everything he said in the first uh, podcast, which was absolutely perfect. So no pressure, no pressure. Well, well, thank you, Julie. Now you'll know if I'm, if I'm being honest or not, if I give you right. the same message. So good test. It, it, yeah, actually we do this for every guest and, and uh, just to test that. So David, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, really one of my favorite people in senior living. He's got many years experience in, in senior living, probably about 20. And he has a proven track record uh, with both large companies and startups. And he uses proven sales systems and solutions that bring predictable results. I would absolutely love to, to learn more about that. And he is very passionate about teaching the fundamentals of building strong relationships and thoughtful follow-up, so critical in our business. He believes that prospects make their buying decision based on these relationships. They're built with the team that they meet and their experience during that decision-making, walking through the community and meeting team members and residents and feeling the energy in within the community and the team. So. Welcome, welcome, David. Thank you. So, David, proven sales systems. So, can you explain what what do you mean by sales systems? And can you give us an example? Yeah, I would be uh, happy to. Um, so, being my twenty first year in the industry, definitely a lot of lessons learned on the journey. And I think one lesson is. We tend to overcomplicate the sales process and we're fo focused on an epic hot dog event or ice cream event versus uh, building trust and relationships with our prospect. So several years ago, I had the pleasure of uh, learning from uh, David Smith and uh, Alex, who are now the co-founders of Sherpa a CRM. And they really taught me the importance of slowing down to speed up less leads, uh, going deeper with those leads, and truly uh, nurturing the relationships. And it's been amazing watching our marketing spend actually go down as our conversions go up and uh, move-ins are quickly uh, following those metrics. You know, we, we hear this all the time. We need more leads. We need more leads. We need more leads, right? And I just Definitely. recently was on a webinar where it's like more leads. Well, I think what we mean is we would like those, give me more of those ones that go through the funnel really quickly and have a check in hand when they come to her. Yep. If you could just open that funnel up to your point, uh, there's a finite number of, of people, right? That we can 
put into the top of that funnel, open it up more, and meaning convert to your point, uh, increase those conversions. Because exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. What would you, um, what would you say, David? What's one area you really focus on that you've seen great results? In the sales process or in the, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the sales process, it's, it's truly having our sales directors and executive directors build their own sales goals every month uh, based on the prospect-centered sales approach. So measuring home visits, creative follow-up, prospect case studies. Those are the true three revenue-generating activities. And to have our community level teams build their goals every month versus corporate building goals has been really impactful. And then loading those goals into our CRM and providing our executive directors a dashboard every day of where their sales director is versus their goals for the month. Because we truly believe and have found that if you follow that roadmap of activity, and you do a quality job, a thoughtful job, the move-ins will always follow. And who puts those together? Who builds the goals at the team, I mean, at the community level? Who's involved? Yeah, so uh, we built a, a, a template from our resource center, which is our corporate office. We like to be a resource at, uh, to the field, not a talking heads running around. Um, and we built a template that spelled out uh, what activities that, uh, that we're looking for and then what the minimum expectation is. And then mm -hmm. it's up to them to fill, up, uh, fill out that template month over month over month. And it's a beautiful exercise because the sales director most of the time will uh, underpromise and have low numbers. Then the executive director, if they're truly leading sales and are a champion, are going to negotiate and try and increase that. And then from our district team, our district sales leaders then are going to look at the goals again and maybe tweak some up or down. But it's a true group, uh, a group um, uh, thoughtful uh, exercise. So your executive director, it sounds like the sales director or directors start. Executive directors take a look, tweak when necessary, challenge. We hope they challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then your regional oversight there to be in exactly. agreement. Perfect. Exactly. I, I, I mean, that approach, David, supports you know taking ownership. I mean, I think we often talk about you know, take ownership of your business, take ownership of your results. And exactly. if you built if you've built the plan, you're more likely to take ownership of it, it sounds like. Uh, correct. And some communities are lead rich, meaning we coin that as a, a having more than seven leads uh, per vacancy. And some communities are lead anemic. And we coin that as being six or less leads per vacancy. So depending on where a community falls, they may need to have more uh, outreach goals or they may mm -hmm. need more uh, nurturing goals and home visits. Oh, it is a community by community uh, a look um, at the business. Yeah, which really makes sense. I mean, it's, it's good, you know, companies who don't have, 
you know, any, any at this time benchmarks, expectations, certainly step one is to put, put it, put those in place, Correct. generally speaking. But like you said, when, once those are in place then you can tweak because one size doesn't fit all in the very narrow specifics. I mean, we, you need the activity benchmarks and outreach and conversion benchmarks generally, right? Mm -hmm. But to your mm -hmm. point, it's interesting. So you lead rich for you guys is seven or more leads per empty apartment. Uh, precisely. Okay. And then anything under that is lead anemic. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. And that drives a lot of our deep decisions. And I guess what I'm very cautious of uh, being an ex sales uh, director, executive director, consultant, um, that I don't want to talk about phone calls and emails because time and time again, there's no correlation to more calls, uh, more move-ins. Uh, Sherpa just came out with a study, I think last month in March, that spoke to that exact point that mm -hmm. a call out will actually decrease your move-in average. Home visits will uh, increase. So the recipe is really there. It's just being uh, disciplined and coaching your sales directors and then uh, having the accountability and uh, inspirational measures in place. What do you say to either your team members or someone listening who are like, oh, home visits, I don't want to bother people or, you know, are seniors or older adults really comfortable having a stranger, quote unquote, in their home? Uh, what, what, how do you kind of work through that barrier? That's a great question. I'll tell you the old me um, learning through experience was just mm -hmm. letting them know, get over it and do home visits. It's going to work. <laughs> it didn't go over too well. Um, <laughs> then started painting the picture of the generation that we're serving. And the average 90 year old is used to the milkman coming, is used to the doctor doing a, a house calls and the insurance person coming. Yeah. That's the generation of inviting people to your house is very normal. The current generation, me being in that bucket as well, um, if a person knocks on your door, it's completely crazy. And why is somebody coming and they're not invited and, and stay away, text me or email me or uh, Instagram me or whatever social network that you're using. So really speaking to that, and then most importantly, getting in the car and doing home visits with the sales director. The only way, in my opinion, is to do it, demonstrate, model, and prove that uh, uh, you're going to get invited in, that you're going to uh, break bread, uh, learn a lot, and have those great uh, moments. And then in turn, our sales directors and the sales team are going to believe and start uh, doing it on their own. Are you a proponent of either or both of either setting the appointment, letting them know you're coming or drop-ins? Can you yep. talk to me about it, you know, what, what your feelings are there? Uh, it depends. If a person has anxiety about doing home visits in the beginning to schedule it is okay. Mm -hmm. um, a nice thing we've trained our sales directors to do as, as uh, dipping a toe in the pool is mm -hmm instead of mailing a brochure, drop it off. Mm. Instead of mailing mm -hmm. a piece of collateral, drop it off. And I think just by doing that, uh, yeah. your salespeople are going to find uh, they're going to be invited into the home. They're going to enjoy it. 
and then the buy-in occurs. And then as people become a little bit more comfortable with it, then a drop-in is, is a more than appropriate and nine out of 10 times uh, just as effective. So talking about lead anemic communities, um, outreach, 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 coming out, out of COVID, which prohibited a lot of face-to-face -face outreach, literally promoted uh, what you and I are doing right now, which is virtual meetings. But can talk, talk to me a little bit about new perspective and, and what are the outreach uh, objectives and expectations? And can you share a success story? Yeah, well, right now we're trying to perfect the best recipe for a blueberry muffin because we're going to take these muffins and we're going to drop them off at our professionals and get referrals. Oh, I made you laugh. I'm sorry. So that we're not doing that actually, I'm but sorry. but but I have tried that before and it doesn't really work. It doesn't work. The blueberry drops does not work. No. Okay. So that in in, in you're in Minnesota, right, David? Yes, and, and, and it is blueberry. Is it blueberry season, like in the summertime, right? It, it is up? not. It's actually still snowy in Minnesota, and it's well, April. It, it's soon to be, soon to be, soon to be, soon to yeah. be. Yeah, I think tomorrow it'll be spring, and then it'll be winter, and then spring again. But exactly. But until then, you're going to have to go with an alternative plant. Exactly. So, okay. uh, uh, all kidding aside, it's it's outreach can be treated very similar to prospect-centered sales. Um, building trust, building a relationship, yeah. uh, nurturing and driving referral flow. So oh. from our standpoint, again, an outreach, and we're still trying to perfect it. And we do have a long ways to go in this uh, area of our business, but it's a less is more. So refine a list of professionals, no more than 10. The old days, it was go the list of 100. Well, yeah. make it small. Uh, we use a software called a Vision LTC, which is very uh, helpful, which provides us Medicare data, um, beneficiary data, a lot of uh, interesting data mm -hmm. to help guide uh, who we're going to, uh, to target. So using data to help support that. And then teaching our sales directors again by jumping in the car and doing it is identifying a win-win prior to doing an outreach appointment. So instead of being that typical blueberry muffin dropper and saying we have great care, great food, great cookies, et cetera, um, really identify how can I benefit them? So if it's a nursing home, we can benefit them by discharging our people that we can no longer serve to them. If it's an independent living, we can benefit them by driving more uh, independent people that otherwise may not be mm -hmm. as a, a happy in our environment. So really finding that win for the professional and then using that as a way to build a relationship, get by and then ultimately drive referrals. And that's the hardest part in my experience to teach um, because most people that I've come into contact with me included are very uncomfortable doing outreach and they want to stay inside. And if mm -hmm. we can teach them yeah. how to identify wins and use that um, and also less is more 
And then lastly, calendarize their outreach. So put it on your calendar. You spoke about this in your book, Julie, but, but make it intentional, put it on the books. If it's not on the calendar or do outreach, it's not going to happen. Just like, uh, just like running, doing exercise or doing anything that you may not really enjoy. You have to put it on the calendar. And then commit to it. And And commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. The more you do it, it becomes a habit. I like your, and agree with less is more. And that you're, it's really sales. You know, outreach isn't marketing, it's sales, it's relationship mm-hmm. building, right? And identifying, exactly. right, what people need, what's important to them. And, and I think if people wrap their arms around that just a little bit more, that it's really very similar to working with prospects, mm-hmm. a lot of listening, a lot of caring, a lot of connecting, empathy, finding, you know, providing solutions where we can, maybe some of that fear goes down. Exactly. And yeah. being, being thoughtful, my favorite story of outreach is I had a sales person years ago that went to a nursing home here in Minneapolis 93 times in four months. And I looked at our CRM and she had one referral from this individual. So I went with her and I just said, well, what's, what's going on? Why are you going here? What are we missing? Can I help? So I went there and they were best of friends after 93 right. visits. Yeah, you would think they so. Were, they were a similar age, similar interest, um, a similar chapter in life. And they had a, just a great rapport. And then I asked this woman, why, why aren't you referring our way? And she said, because we're under strict guidelines from our mothership to not refer out of our system. And totally, totally cool. I get it. But right. we should have asked that question probably right. 87 visits prior uh, because yeah. it's not a good use of time. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, that said, we're so excited when someone will talk to us. And, so and because we are afraid, oh, I know Elaine is nice to me or it's going to be pleasant. And it makes sense that a skilled nursing, would potentially refer. Uh-huh. It's a great example. It's a great example. It's very much this similar to when we when we become best friends with a prospect, we sort of cross that line and yep. we're like unable to then we lose objectivity and we're unable to give them advice. But we feel like they're going to move in because they're so nice and and we like them and they like us and we become best friends with them. Spot on, Julie. Yeah, we yeah. see that all the time too. Is, yep. is we do a wonderful job in new perspective building relationships and trust. Yeah, we do a subpar job at times using those relationships. To your point, Julie, asking those hard questions, being a little bit provocative, and advancing them uh, to that move in because we're doing all that work to get that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, you know, we, and on one hand, we're saying, you know, build a relationship because this is an emotional time. Number one, it's an emotional sale, emotional decision and connection and con- very important to connection. Yep. But at the same time, don't lose objectivity to, uh, to understanding that what people need from us at this point in their, in their life and in the point of relationship is advice. Mm-hmm. Right. So similar. Oh, to- I love that word objectivity. Yeah. 
spot on. Yeah. So let's shift gears. You know, our remaining minutes left, and you have so so much to say. And I'm going to pretend that this didn't record, so we can do it again. Uh, but talking about new perspectives, you guys have had tremendous growth and success in recent years. Um, curious about onboarding new sales directors. Can you give us maybe some best practices uh, to onboard new people? Yeah, I would love to. I think a um, couple of best practices, and I know I'm being Captain Obvious, but I'll try and add a little more color, is a higher right. Um, I am personally see quite a bit more success from people outside of our industry that have a strong why they want to get into our industry, have a genuine curiosity of people, and, and are driven. And usually we're on point with the uh, out of the industry and uh, genuine and a strong why. But the driven part is just something to really look at because that's what's going to help uh, move the needle. And then once we, we bring a person on to have a true onboarding process, so ours is uh, two to three weeks. They don't have the uh, noise of their community on them. So they don't need to worry about their building during that time. They spend some time with mentors in the field. We have many sales directors and new perspective that are fantastic trainers, guides, mentors. And it's really important to us that a new person aligns with one or two of those people because now they have a sounding board that they can call uh, when or if needed. And then, of course, our district directors of sales are the quarterback um, uh, to that process. And then lastly, what I'm probably most proud of here in New Perspective is we built a, we call it a knowledge review. I used to call it a, a test, but uh, HR got mad at me. So we call it a knowledge review. And that sales director spends two to three hours with me as the VP of sales at, at our resource center. We go through that review. And more importantly, it's a time for me to connect and understand uh, how did we do, what are we missing, what can we provide, and the knowledge review is not a pass-fail, it's more of a where are you doing well, and where do we need to spend more time coaching. So I think all of that from the mentors to the three weeks without a noise of your building, and then to the knowledge review is a recipe that's worked. Uh, more times than it hasn't. So, and it sounds like a good recipe. Knowledge review is done at what 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 stage? At the end of the onboarding process. Okay. So, like the, so, within the first month. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. I love the, that you use the words um, in describing who you're kind of who you're looking for. Someone with genuine curiosity, and someone who's driven. How do you, I, I mean, how can you tell, or as this kind of process goes along and then in the new hire, um, I mean, how can you tell somebody is going to have long-term success? Well, I can't tell a hundred percent to be honest. Um, but I think step one is you must have an involved executive director. I don't care how good I am or the district director of sales or the sales director I could or the building, truly that executive director needs to keep that daily 
involvement and inspiration because most salespeople need uh, quite a bit of pats on the back and recognition. And uh, as you and I were talking prior uh, to the podcast, the sales at times can feel as if they're in their own little world and mm-hmm. we need to, to get them involved. So the ED involvement and then uh, continue to feed them with uh, different goals, stretch assignments, financial carrots, the growth opportunities, all of that keeps your peak performers fed and engaged. Mm-hmm. It can get, can get lonely, right? Because we, we, they, we need our sales teams in the zone, right? In focused on revenue generating activity and um, be that driver, be the leader and uh, keeping someone sort of that over here, it can feel like we're kind of over here. So that's, that's a topic for another podcast. So anything else that you can share with us or um, any advice, David, you could give us heading into uh, Q2 here of 2022? Yeah, my, my best advice is um, focus on the fundamentals. I know times are tough at times and we try and do these wacky tactics and strategies. And most, most of the time, it's just putting unnecessary stressors and time on the field. So focus on nurturing those leads, focus on the fundamentals um, and continuing to lead with positivity. Um, and at times we have to come down and hold people accountable. But if you lead with positivity and you have those deposits in your, in your sales team, and then you can provide that feedback and they'll actually listen. Great advice. Great advice. Well, David, thank you again and again. Um, We'll look forward to our next chat. Enjoy spring in Minnesota. Thank you. It's almost over. It gets there. (laughs) Thank you. And I look forward to those muffins. Very excited about that. Yes, I will um, talk about that in the next podcast, Julie. (laughs) Definitely. David, have a great rest of your day. And thank you again. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.